Pele leaned in and said something to Freddie. Don't let them change you. Keep working on what makes you different and what makes you special. It was great advice, but it caused me some problems. But what could change Freddie do? Soccer is going to explode and it's going to be around this kid. We were the Beatles. Everywhere we went, it was the Freddie show. And with that came the expectation and with that came the pressure. New episodes of American Prodigy drop Tuesdays from Blue Wire Podcasts. Blue Wire. With the first pick in the 2009 NFL Draft, the Detroit Lions select Matthew Stafford. Quarterback. Stafford, step it up. Going left side. Watch Calvin. Enzo got him. Oh, baby, that was a rocket. And it's picked off. Intercepted by Darius Slade. Welcome to another edition of the Michael Rothstein Show, sponsored by Indeed, Bet Online, and Pepsi. And guess what? The Detroit Lions have a new set of advisors, and they also have a new full-time employee. Yep, that's right, and you're familiar with basically all of them. The first, clearly the one that's going to be the most important in this entire process, which I'm sure you've already heard about, Chris Spielman is returning to the organization. He's going to be the nebulous title of special assistant to the chairman and president and CEO. And that sounds like a lot, but basically what it means is he is a special advisor to Rod Wood and Sheila Ford Hamp. Very quickly on what that will mean. That means the general manager and head coach, whoever those people end up being, will not report to him. He is a separate category. He is there to help Sheila, to help Rod. And from the way that both Chris Spielman and Rod Wood talked on Tuesday, Chris Spielman's going to have his hands in every aspect of the organization. The way I took it from listening to him, because he used the word unity a lot, not us versus them a lot, that he's almost kind of this like minister of culture if if there's another better term for it like that's to me what I kept thinking of and if the minister of culture line maybe sounds familiar it's because this is what popped into my head while I was listening to Spielman talk and and yes he's going to have more responsibility than this person but I kept thinking of the University of Texas and if you follow this story at all in like the past year or two years you're already going to know what I'm talking about but the University of Texas Athletics Department does have an MOC a minister of culture. That person, Texas superfan and very well-known actor, Matthew McConaughey. Now, I don't think McConaughey has quite exactly what the Lions are looking for in Chris Spielman because McConaughey is, you know, very much the rah-rah guy and he's not making football decisions or basketball decisions, but he's the guy who's your face in some ways. He is the guy who, you know, bleeds Texas. And to me, listening to Chris Spielman, that's what I kept thinking about, except he's also somebody that's going to be more involved in the day-to-day of the organization than Matthew McConaughey probably is at the University of Texas. And Dana O'Neill at The Athletic wrote a really interesting story back, I guess it was earlier this year or maybe last year, I don't even remember, 2020 all blends together, uh, about what McConaughey does at Texas. Now, granted, this is a university versus a 
billion dollar NFL team. But that's essentially the the feeling I got when I heard Spielman talk and why they brought Spielman in. Now, Spielman brings a lot of different things to the table, but moreover, he basically said that he's being charged with, in many ways, fixing the culture and trying to create this culture. And I'm going to read to you a bit of what he said at the top. This is Spielman, quote, I had a chance to talk to Rod and to Sheila and to understand and share the vision of what they pictured the Lions being moving forward. It's kind of along my core beliefs on everything regarding life and football. And so when you have that type of alignment, I think that's something that we are committed to create. The one pride thing to me goes beyond the building, obviously in the building, but the one pride thing is embracing Detroit, the city of Detroit, the fans of Detroit. That's something that I think I still identify with, I feel a part of. And for lack of another word, it's really, really good to be home in that regard. I have a vision that matches exactly what Rod and Sheila envisioned. And that's the only way that could work because we're completely in sync of the direction of the culture of the building and of the building and something to be proud of for everybody that's Alliance fan. End quote. So understand that. Think of how often he said culture there, how often he referred to cultural things. This is a move because they realize that their culture is off. Their culture is stilted. Their culture is not what they had hoped it would be. And granted, the Lions culture has never been one of winning. But at least before Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn took over, particularly Matt Patricia, there was at least a culture in the building that seemed to be building towards something instead of one of being fearful of mistakes, which is, you know, taken straight out of New England casting. This is, I think, an acknowledgement that that was a mistake and that they need to get back to being who they are for better, for worse, or indifferent. And that's a big thing. Now, the Spielman stuff does more, too. Now, I expect that this job is going to be very heavily him instilling the culture, him bridging the business side of the operation and the football side of the operation, which, as even though it may sound odd, it's something that is important. And it's something that good franchises have. And that's hard to do because so much of the business staff is at Ford Field in Detroit. So much of the football staff is at Allen Park. And they're not working close together. They're not working in the same town even. They're, you know, a few towns apart, a 20-minute drive apart. And that doesn't always work well to build cohesiveness. And I feel like Spielman's being brought in in some ways to do that. But Spielman also gives the Lions a football guy at the top of the ticket. And a football guy who's advising two people who have varying levels of experience in football, in Rod Wood and Sheila Fordham, but none of them are quote-unquote football people, even though Sheila Fordham's been around football her entire life. This is a different role for her. This gives them that type of voice. This gives them that type of buffer so you don't get stuck necessarily trusting what one or two people tell you in a general manager search or a head coaching search that leads you to maybe making a decision without doing a full vetting of the candidates. And that to me is also something that became increasingly clear today that they're going to do a full vetting of the candidates. This is part of why you have Chris Spielman there. He's going to be in on every head coach and general manager interview. And before you think all of a sudden, this is kind of a backdoor way to make Chris Spielman the team's general manager. It is not that Chris Spielman made that very clear in saying, I am not qualified to be a general manager. So there's also some understanding from Chris Spielman of what he is and what he is not. And I think that that's something that 
as a Lions fan, you can probably feel pretty good about means he's not going to be somebody that's necessarily overstepping. He also said this, which I think is important, and it's important for general manager and head coaching candidates to hear, which is that he believes in hiring people to do the job and then letting them do their job with proper oversight. Now, to me, that basically says, hey, I'm going to let you do what you do, but if you're doing something that's a little bit too out there or something that, that just doesn't work with the organization, they're not going to let them go and do it anyway. So that's good to have a boss and frankly have a boss that, you know, frankly, for no other term, like gets it from a football perspective, even though he is not going to be their bosses as far as a general manager and the head coach. Because as I think I mentioned, like he is not going to have oversight over the general manager or the head coach. What that structure looks like remains to be seen. When I asked Rod Wood about that, he said that's still up in the air. I think it's going to really still depend on the candidate. However, he's going to be having Sheila Fordham and Rod Wood's ear. So at the very least, his influence is going to be there. It makes it very interesting. This is something I think the Lions had to do. I think it also shows a departure from how the Lions have thought in the past. Now, Listen, I think that some of this is concerning, and we'll get to that in a second. But before we get there, you know, I think it's good that they're bringing in a football person and they're changing up the organizational structure a little bit because at least it shows that Rod and Sheila kind of know they don't know what they don't know. And that's a big step. And I think they're bringing in people who know what they don't know in an effort to have everybody know what they need to know. And that's something that's valuable. Now, my one issue with this move is this, is that they stayed inside the family. And this can be looked at in one of two ways. It can be looked at from a positive vein of Chris Spielman has a lot vested in the Lions. He loves the Detroit Lions. You could hear it even when he was doing, like I remember he was doing the Carolina game, and you could tell in his voice, even though he was trying not to do so, how badly he wanted the Lions to succeed and to come back. Like, you could hear that from him when he was talking. You could hear it. And I remember even noticing it and saying, like, why do they keep bringing up the playoffs here? Like, I think I even tweeted about that. And, you know, it's because it was Chris Spielman. I don't know if any other person is going to say that. And it, it's interesting to me. It struck me, too, that now that they hired him and said he's been in conversations with Sheila and – you know, and he has a relationship there of how Sheila Fordham basically said that he, she felt that they were really maybe a playoff bound team until that Carolina game. And that's when everything kind of really shook out. Well, Chris Spielman was doing that Carolina game. So you kind of wonder if like, hmm, maybe she has been listening to Chris Spielman. Now, again, that's just me speculating and hypothesizing with some tea leaves, but you know, that's interesting to me, even though they said they had not talked to Chris Spielman about this opportunity until after Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn were fired. Clearly, at least Rod Wood was kicking around some ideas of how to get Chris Spielman involved before they made any sort of move. They just didn't know how it was going to look. Rod Wood essentially said that and they just didn't approach Chris Spielman with it until after. So. That's one part of it, but I, I guess the concern is that you stayed within the family, and while that's potentially good, like I said, for like having someone who cares that much and is that invested in the organization, I do worry that it 
doesn't necessarily lead to a larger marketplace of ideas, which I think the Lions need to have. I think they need to have more diversification of ideas. Now, depending who they hire as a general manager and head coach, maybe that comes from them. And considering there's no slam dunk obvious hires within the Lions organization at either general manager or head coach, I think you can feel pretty decent about the fact that, yeah, basically you can live with that. You know, if the new GM and the new head coach are brought in and are allowed to do their jobs and are allowed to really voice their opinion and put their stamp on it, which is what we've seen or at least heard that Chris Spielman and Rod Wood want them to do. So this is a big move higher. It really, really is. I can understand where there is some hesitancy. Like I said, I had some hesitancy when I saw this. It felt like, oh, wow, they're, you know, they're just kind of sticking it in the family again. But let's see who they hire as a general manager and head coach. And I think at that point, we can kind of sense where they are as an organization. A couple of other things on Chris Spielman. Like I said, he basically said that I'm not qualified to be a general manager. Here's what he said about his qualifications. Quote, I do know what works and what doesn't work by being 30 years in this business and traveling around to 32 teams year in and year out and having a brother in the business and watching it and learning in conversations with him about what works for him and what doesn't work. To be able to kind of build what our goal is, that one pride thing. That one culture, a culture of if you put on a Lions shirt, it actually means something. It's not just a shirt to sleep in or work out in. It means something when you put that Lions shirt on, whether you're a fan, whether you work in the building in any capacity, you are one and you are part of us. And so drawing on my experience on all different levels and talking to leaders every single week and general managers and coaches, hear what works for them, hear what doesn't work for them. Books of journals of these notes that I've taken, I know exactly what Sheila and Rod want and hopefully I can help them and us get there to where we need to be, end quote. Like, Chris Spielman has been prepping for this, even though he didn't know that this was going to be this. So I think that at least he's going to have ideas, and it'll be really curious to see what he does. He said a lot during the entirety of his press call. I recommend going and finding it and watching it if you really want to dig in because it was about a half hour long. Uh, He did not really want to get into head coaching and general manager decisions and what necessarily they're looking for. He was asked a little bit about leadership and he talked about like how a leader knows their role, no responsibility. Uh, He's he referenced the military a couple of times. So clearly he's read up on military leadership, which I think is kind of interesting and jives with what some other really successful coaches and general managers have done. Uh, He would not really comment much on Matthew Stafford other than saying that he's really tough and talented. Um, And yeah, I mean, I, I asked him pretty straight away where he felt like Bob and Matt failed in their tenures because you always learn from your past and not repeat your present and your future. He didn't really want to get into that, but he said, you know, his goal is to help the lions and whatever way he can to get them the right general manager and head coach. And he said this, too, in that answer. And he said, listen, I'm going to tell you what I need from you to do my job and then tell you you can tell me what you need from me to do your job. So think of me as a think of it as a servant role, whatever is needed to be done. And however, I can help the team in any way. That's my job. And I am there just to serve. That's my goal. And that's what I intend to do. End quote. So 
it's going to be really interesting how this goes. I don't know if it's going to work. I don't know if it's not. But at least it's a proactive step from the Lions to do something. And that, I think, is a positive. We'll be back right after the break with a little bit on the special advisors and kind of what's going on there. And then we're going to get to about maybe a half mailbag today because we've talked a lot already and I want to keep this show at least at a reasonable length and we'll hit the rest of the mailbag on Thursday. So it'll be a little bit of a split mailbag because of the big news today. But we'll be back right after this on the Michael Robinson Show. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. And if you're listening to this podcast, you probably are one of them. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how much you watch. And let's be honest, if you're watching the Lions right now, you probably need something to get you through what you've been seeing on the field. And Pepsi is that refreshment you need to power through any game day, even Lions games. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. 2020 has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Much to the happiness of probably everybody. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. That's right, no long-term contracts. And now Indeed's new New way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% of online job seekers in the U.S. visiting Indeed each month, according to Comscore, total visits. So it's clear Indeed can help you get the quality hire you need. That's why more than 3 million businesses worldwide use Indeed for hiring. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast, faster than even Matt Prater's 59-yard field goal went through the uprights. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back, and thanks for sticking with us. So we went through the Chris Spielman part of it, kind of where I think things might be there. Now, the second part of all of this is the Lions also have three new advisors. Now, they're not going to be part of the interview process like Chris Spielman will be. He'll be part of this entire process and interviewing everybody. But they're going to have a say. They're going to be kind of involved in it. And they are names that, again, you're going to be very familiar with. The first one is Rod Graves. He's the executive director of 
the Fritz Pollard Alliance. This is not a name that should surprise you because he's helping with multiple searches. He's also on the search committee for Houston. And he's a guy that is kind of in what John Wooten's role, John Wooten's role used to be, where he advocates for minorities in general manager and head coaching positions. They're very well versed in potential minority candidates. And to me, that shows that they're being very serious about that. And the other name, the second name, is Mark Hollis. Now, you last heard of Mark Hollis when he resigned from Michigan State in the wake of the Larry Nassar scandal. Now, he cooperated with the Nassar scandal or the Nassar investigation, but he was the athletic director for a long time. Before the Nassar scandal hit, he was widely viewed as one of the most innovative guys in the Big Ten. He was one of the people that really pushed for like basketball teams playing on aircraft carriers and he really pushed the envelope in a lot of different ways, but he also, even though he didn't really do as athletic director, although he was in the athletic department when they hired Mark D'Antonio, he has been a part of a bunch of searches and a bunch of coaching searches across all sports, so he has that type of pedigree. He, since leaving Michigan State, has been working with Dan Gilbert, so He's been in the area. He's also a Michigan native. And the third guy, you, you might have heard of him. You might know who he is. His name is Barry Sanders, former guest of the podcast, and somebody who has been very much, at least name-wise, tied with the organization for a long time. So what exactly are they going to do? What, ex- ha- what is exactly their role? Rod Wood was asked about this, and I'm going to read you basically his entire answer in parts. So we'll read each kind of guy, and then I'll give you a little explanation. The first is Rod Graves, quote, leader of the Fritz Pollard Alliance. I've had several conversations with Rod already. He shared with me the candidates that the Alliance works with, who are minority coaches and potential GMs who are trying to get their names in front of teams. He's been very helpful in helping me kind of analyze those candidates and giving me some feedback. So we'll continue to talk to him regularly. So, end quote. So at the very least, he's offering some opinions on some minority candidates, which is important, which is not surprising. If you remember back when Sheila and Rod talked after they fired Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn, they were asked about the Rooney Rule, and they were asked about minority coaches and minority general managers, and they said that not only would they comply with the rule, they would go above and beyond. This is by involving Rod Graves in their search process. That is one step of that. I also really highly imagine that Sheila Fordham will look very heavily at all candidates, regardless of race, because that's just what she's lo- she's looking to cast the widest net possible. And if you read my story back in September, you understand a little bit of how she's been involved in some groundbreaking stuff before in her life. And she's also been very much involved with kind of social justice conversations and discussions around race. If you remember in June, she was really the first owner to come out and say, if my coaching staff or general manager wanted to sign Colin Kaepernick, I would be fine with that, and they would have my support. She said that on her first ever meeting with the press, and 
back, like I said, when I wrote about her in September, one of the things that she had done, which nobody had known about, was she actually had Henry Louis Gates Jr., who's one of the most prominent African-American scholars on African-American history in the nation, come and speak virtually over Zoom to her team. She gave them his book, Stony the Road, which is about reconstruction and the rise of the new Jim Crow for them to read. And going one step further, Henry Louis Gates Jr. considers Sheila Ford Hamble one of his closest friends. And that's a relationship that goes back to her time at Yale when she was one of the first female undergraduates to attend the university. So she's all about making waves, being a pioneer, like that's part of it. Now, I'm not saying she's going to do any of that with any of these hires, but like the diversity component and the importance of hiring the best person, regardless of who they are, I think is something that's very important to her and very much part of her ethos. That's just the vibe I've gotten from people talking to people around her. Going next, and Rod Graves can help there. Going next to Mark Hollis, Again, Rod Woods, quote, quote, because of his responsibilities at Michigan State as an athletic director, has done a number of coaching searches, and he's been interesting in providing some guidance on processes of what works and outcomes that were successful for him, end quote. So to me, that maybe tells me that they're going to have maybe Hollis do some of the vetting, potentially, but beyond that, they're going to lean on him as how to handle interviews, interview processes, how to an, handle interviews, how to maybe handle questions, how to handle what you're looking for in a successful candidate, what maybe red flags are in a candidate. That, to me, based off of what Rod Wood said, would be how they could potentially be using Mark Hollis. I would also want to pick Mark Hollis's brain about any potential college candidates that could be in play because... Mark Hollis spent a lot of time in the college's space. He knows those coaches in and out. And as any owner does or general manager does, every AD, you have a short list of coaches potentially if you're ever going to have an opening. So you know Mark Hollis had that short list at some point if Mark D'Antonio ever left, even though at the time that was a pretty good marriage. So I'd be curious to kind of pick his brain on maybe the college aspects if I am Rod Wood and Sheila Fordham and Chris Spielman in this because that's an area where Chris Spielman is not going to be as familiar. He's going to know the pro guys but not necessarily the college people and Rod Wood wouldn't know the college people and Sheila Fordham wouldn't know the college people so that would be I think another place that he can be helpful. The third person quote Barry Sanders to quote Rod Wood quote in so, is more in some ways, in a similar way to Chris, a lion, someone who understands our culture, the Ford family. Hopefully we can continue to bounce ideas off of him in terms of trying to find somebody who fits for us and obviously is one of, if not the greatest player in the history of the franchise. Anytime I can have Barry around, it's a good thing. I'm glad he agreed to do this. And so we'll be using them in different ways, but all three can bring something to the table, end quote. I'm not exactly sure, truthfully, what Barry Sanders brings other than it's kind of one of those like, fan fodder things where it's like hey Barry Sanders is even more involved in the organization this looks good for the Lions like I feel really good about this like to me that's what having Barry Sanders around strikes me as I don't get the sense that Barry Sanders is super plugged in in the NFL but he can at least 
tell you through a vetting process because maybe he's the guy that players and coaches and general managers will pick up the phone and talk to because, as you know, with current players, even DeAndre Swift, who was barely alive when Barry Sanders retired, there is an aura, there is a, a cachet about talking to Barry Sanders that people get excited about. Probably anybody from like, oh, I don't know, 55 and younger probably would get really excited about talking to Barry Sanders about anything. So maybe Barry Sanders is the guy who just makes some of those calls to to get people on the phone and then gets information from them. It's not really quite clear what Barry's role is going to truly be in all of this. I think that might shake itself out here as it goes. But I mean, even if it's just somebody to kind of talk to people and maybe get them in the door and and I, I don't really know. It doesn't hurt to have Barry Sanders around. Um, I just, of the three, that's the one that doesn't exactly, there's, there doesn't seem to be as obvious of a connection other than he's a great Lions player who wasn't involved with the organization and now is again. Like that to me is where Barry Sanders fits. So what does all of this mean today? We'll talk about this then I'll answer a few questions. It means that the Lions are taking actual steps to being serious about trying to at least find a general manager and a head coach that fits. Does it mean it'll work? Does it mean whoever they hire is going to be the person to, to make this work finally after 60 years? No, it doesn't. We won't really know that. We won't know that for two, three years time at least on both ends, especially if this ends up being a true rebuild job. And that's one question I would have wanted to ask Chris Fieldman that didn't get to, but I, I'm guessing that he's going to be available again at some point here before they make hires is how much he sees this as a rebuild versus something that can be fixed really quickly because he's been around the league and he would know those sorts of things. And he's definitely as an analyst during preseason games, for the Lions has been someone who's watched this team a lot and is someone who has a lot of passion for this franchise, knows this roster, and knows a lot of the people on this team. That I, I would be curious how he really views that. However, I think that you're putting yourself in a position to at least have a shot to maybe get this right. Like you're not just trusting one person or two people like it felt like they did last time when they hired Matt Patricia, which was kind of a fait accompli a little bit with Bob Quinn, or even when they hired Bob Quinn and they really trusted Ernie Accorsi and Ernie Accorsi led them to Quinn. And again, Bob Quinn at the time was a sensible hire. He's a, a good football scout. Like I didn't think that that was a bad hire when they hired him. It made sense. And I've said this over and over. I think that Bob Quinn's biggest failing was hiring Matt Patricia and you know I, th I do wonder whether if they had somebody like a Chris Spielman in the organization at that point in time if there would have been a little bit more oversight of like hey you know are we sure this is the right guy in Matt Patricia uh, you know are you just hiring your friend here and listen Matt Patricia was a sought after candidate so this isn't some sort of like revisionist history on that it's just the reality of the situation so I think that overall this is a good thing for the Lions. I don't necessarily think this means they've got a better shot of getting it perfect. and No, nah, you know, but I do think it gives some clarity and some answers to 
potential general managers and head coaches. And Rod Wood said he wanted to make sure that this hire happened before them because he didn't want to hire people. And then they bring in Chris Spielman and those people that they just hired. Like, what is this? He, he didn't want to hoodwink anybody. So by bringing him in first, that allows Chris Spielman to be part of the decision-making process. I also think it will lead Chris Spielman to answering, having questions and listening to answers in a different way than Sheila Fordhamp and Rod Wood because he's coming at it from a football perspective. He's coming at it from, I have seen every team in the league and seen what's worked and what hasn't perspective. He's coming at it from a, my brother has been a general manager in the league for a long time in Rick Spielman, Minnesota's general manager. So I understand at least some of that perspective. So it's at the very least, it's a different perspective. Now, as I talked about at the top, would it have been better if it was somebody maybe not affiliated with the Lions? So, it's something completely different and completely foreign? Maybe. But if you really want to build a culture that you truly believe is unique to Detroit, and Detroit is a very unique job, the Lions are a very unique organization, then okay. Chris Spielman is probably one of the only people that you'd really be able to get that would make a lot of sense and that has some sort of lifelong football acumen in there. Now, are there other people that they could have brought in? Sure. Could they have maybe brought Sheldon White back? Maybe, if Sheldon White wanted to do it. I mean, he has history with the organization. He obviously cares a lot about the Lions. You heard about that on the podcast last week when he spoke when he came on the show. Are there other people that maybe they could have really, you know, maybe kicked the tires on in that role? Maybe. But Chris Billman's not a bad choice if that's what you're really going for. And as far as really building a culture and really having passion, I think Chris Spielman's the guy that, that has that. You could sense it. Like he was getting fired up during the press conference, and you could really sense that passion. So at the very least, he's going to try, and he's going to try hard. Now, like I said, does that mean that this is going to be successful? No, it doesn't mean that. But you have somebody that at least very much cares and has that passion for it. So – We'll see how it goes. That's about the best answer that you can get. So we're going to hit a couple of questions now. As I said, we're not going to get to all of them, I don't think. And whatever we have left, we will pop on tomorrow's podcast. The first question comes from Jeremy Friedrichs, who's at FriedrichsJK. Basically says, I have nothing but respect for Matthew Stafford, but I think they need to target a quarterback in the draft. Wouldn't doing so send a message to fans that they need to temper their expectations for at least a season? I personally would be fine with that despite the losing. Yeah, and I think that's going to be very apparent pretty quickly because I think when you hear from whoever the new general manager and head coach are, whenever that happens, I think you're going to basically – they're, one of the first questions they're going to ask is, how do you view this? Do you view this as a complete rebuild? Do you view this as a partial rebuild? Where do you view Matthew Stafford? And they might say all the right things at that time. But I think if you've learned something from Bob Quinn is, and even from Rod Wood, what you say in your first press conference, what you say as your first impression matters. So you need to be upfront with that. So to me... I look at that and I say they would be smart to at least be upfront with what they view this as. And if they say they view it as a rebuild, then yes, I think that they absolutely should target a quarterback in the draft. Even if they don't, I believe they should target a quarterback in the draft. Now, if you don't 
do that. And if whoever they bring in really believes that Matthew Stafford is still their guy, then I think you have to sign Stafford to a reasonable extension and do it quickly to quell any of those questions. That's, again, just what I would do. But I I think that you at least need to investigate or target a quarterback. Now, does that happen in round one? Does that happen in round two? That I don't know because we don't know what pick they have. We don't know who's sitting there and who isn't. The other thing to think of when it comes to a quarterback is they don't necessarily need to target one in the draft because I think there are a few quarterbacks out there that are veterans that could be interesting because I think they're still, quote-unquote, on the rise. And you're not going to necessarily like some of these names, but they're names I would look at. The first one would be Sam Darnold. I think Sam Darnold is really intriguing. I think Sam Darnold is a very, very talented quarterback who is in a really terrible spot in New York because between the pressure that happens in New York and growing up outside the city and growing up around the corner from the Jets' old facility at Hofstra, I know what it's like in New York, and I know what that pressure looks like because I have grew up around it. Now, obviously not a football player, but I, I know it from at least like being there. And that's a pressure unlike anywhere else in the league, except maybe Dallas, maybe if you're the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. There's no, nothing else like it, even if the Jets or the Giants aren't good. New York's a pro sports town. So I'd be curious to see Sam Darnold somewhere else because I think Sam Darnold has a lot of talent, and I think that Sam Darnold still has a chance to really be a good quarterback and be saved, even though maybe the stats aren't there. I mean, you look at his numbers, right? And in his career, he's 59.5% completion percentage. He's thrown 41 touchdowns and 37 interceptions. He's 11 and 24. Like, none of that is good. But if you're the Lions and you're kicking around a rebuild and you don't necessarily like where you're sitting in the draft, I would trade for Sam Darnold because he's still on a rookie contract. So you can kind of maybe see what you've got. And frankly, maybe even Sam Darnold becomes your bridge-type quarterback because if you trade for him, you don't necessarily need to sign him to an extension and he's only three years in and you don't necessarily need to pick up that fifth-year option guaranteed so you can kind of see where he is for a year and see what you can do. Sam Darnold would be intriguing to me if you're looking maybe for a veteran. Another guy, again, we don't know what's going to happen with him, but... Jameis Winston. We know Jameis Winston has talent. He just hasn't been able to put it together in a way that like is workable, right? Now, I mean, Jameis Winston's 27. He'll be 27 next year. I don't necessarily know if it will work, but Jameis Winston did have a 5,000-yard season. Yes, he threw for 30 interceptions in that 5,000-yard season, but he had a 5,000-yard season. I think if you have a really good offensive coordinator, if you have kind of a quarterback guru, he is a guy that I would be interested in because the talent is there. Like to me, say like a Jim Caldwell would be a great benefit for Jameis Winston because Jim Caldwell knows how to get quarterbacks to a certain level. He did it with Matthew Stafford. He helped Peyton Manning. Like Jim Caldwell's, he got Joe Flacco to play really well, better than he did in any other point in his career. Like that would be an interesting pairing to me. So would that happen in Detroit? No. But I'm just saying, like, you'd want somebody like that. By the way, Sam Darnold, just want to point out, is 23 years old. He'll be 24 next year. 
So that's maybe a veteran, uh, like I said, a younger veteran that would be intriguing to me because I think Sam Darnold still has a good amount of talent. Another guy that you know you're talking about, this would be a real flyer, but if you are looking to maybe go that like veteran route or that really young guy, I'd at least kick the tires on Josh Rosen. Now, granted, Josh Rosen's in Tampa, and Josh Rosen is on the practice squad at the moment. But you know what? If I'm the Lions after the season, now granted, this is where it gets a little bit dicey too, right? Because your general manager situation is up in the air. But I would at least say, hey, do you want to come in on a futures deal, Josh Rosen? Because maybe if you get something there and you finally put him in a semi-stable situation with some talent around him and who knows what this offense is going to look like. Maybe you have a chance because I believe Josh Rosen is a talented quarterback who was in two really bad situations. That situation in Arizona as a rookie was he was not in a situation to succeed. In Miami, he was on a team that was purposely trying to get to a Tagliavoa. Like, again, not a position to succeed. And Tampa, you know, he's sitting and learning from Tom Brady. Like, that can only help. So, I don't know. Those are three young quarterbacks I would at least look at because also of those three Jameis Winston is the only one that might cost you a lot of money now Sam Darnold would potentially cost you draft capital Josh Rosen would would cost you a futures contract at this point potentially again not saying it would make a ton of sense but it would be something I would look at there's one other quarterback obviously Carson Wentz but I can't tell you at this point, what the contract mechanics would be there. And that might involve maybe trading Stafford to Philly. Like, yeah, there, there'd be so much there that I just don't think that's something that could happen. But Carson Wentz would be another type of reclamation project, potentially, that could be interesting. And if you bring in one of those guys and then you draft a rookie or you give him a year and then you draft a rookie, like you figure it out, that to me is a potential way to start looking at the future of the quarterback position if you want to move on from Matthew Stafford at some point. The next question comes from Honolulu Blues, who's at HBromo1. Two Stafford questions. One, if Mason Crosby had missed the long field goal, do you think Stafford goes back in? And two, if Matthew Stafford's ribs are broken, which we have since learned that they are not, is that it for him as a lion? So, okay. Question one, no, I don't think Matthew Stafford goes back in. Maybe he tries to make more of a case and lobby for it, but dude was in a lot of pain. And dude, like, it just wasn't going to happen. And the way that Daryl Bevel talked about it after the game, like, it just, I don't think that that would have been a benefit for him. He might have gone in there, but I don't think that that would have been a successful decision. So, no, I don't, I don't think that, no. And two, if, you know, obviously the ribs aren't broken, but he does have rib cartilage injury, which our Jeremy Fowler reported. I don't know what that's going to mean for him. Do I think that's it for him as a Lion? I go back to the question before, and I think it depends on what the new GM and new head coach want. It depends what type of market there is for Matthew Stafford. If you can get a one for him, if you can get a one and a two or a one and a three, uh, you know, or a two and maybe a high-level young player, I think you really talk about making the move if you, unless you really want Stafford as your long-term option. And if you're trading Matthew Stafford, you probably know you're going into a full rebuild or as full of a rebuild as you're maybe going to get. So I think it's possible, which if Matthew Stafford 
returns from this injury. I know I've said it before. I think when they fired Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn, the saver these last five games with Matthew Stafford as a lion in this season, I would say definitely savor whatever you see from Matthew Stafford the rest of the way because I think it's a possibility that he could move on. And the fact that when Chris Spielman was asked about it today, when Sheila Ford Hamp was asked about it, they're all basically punting on the question or leaving it in the hands of the new head coach and general manager. That's both what they should be saying, but also that kind of tells you that if they want to move on, that they could. And I think, again, like I said above, that if if they go with, say, the, the veteran situation, like a young veteran, that you could see Matthew Stafford maybe get moved on from. If they go with a rookie, maybe it's a bridge situation. Um, I will answer two more questions, and then we're going to call it a podcast, and we'll get to the rest next, uh, next time, meaning tomorrow. Ryan Guzman, who's at Ryan R. Guzman, asks, Chances Calvin Johnson the Lions' relationship is mended before the Hall of Fame and also is playing hard despite losing strengthening or weakening Daryl Bevel's chances of getting a, a serious look. So I'll take the second one first. I think playing hard is good for Daryl Bevel. I don't necessarily think that will matter here in this time because I I really get the sense that they're going to go in a different direction. I think Daryl Bevel has a chance to be a good head coach. I think you're seeing that. But I don't know if, if that's going to work. Now, maybe having Chris Spielman around, and we'll see how Chris Spielman evaluates uh, Daryl Bevel. I would imagine they will at least interview Daryl Bevel for the permanent job. That I, I mean, I think he will get a look. I just don't know how serious that look can really be if you are trying to really reshape the culture. Now, I think Daryl Bevel has done a good job reshaping the culture in two weeks, in a week. But there's only so much to me that can really, really be done. And I, 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 don't, I just don't see it happening at this point. If they win their next three, maybe you're having a conversation, but I, I just don't really see it. Now, if they hire a GM and they leave it up to the GM and the new GM wants to keep Daryl Bevel, well, that's a different story altogether. But without that, barring that, I just don't know. Uh, how that's going to go. But I think if Daryl Bevel does well here, that will definitely put him in the conversation, maybe even some other team for some other teams this hiring cycle, but certainly next hiring cycle next year for teams that might be looking for a head coach if he shows that he can take a team that's roster is clearly deficient on one side of the ball and dealing with a bunch of injuries on the other side of the ball and make it still competitive. I think that that could be really attractive to teams either this year or next. And the other question with Calvin Johnson and the Lions, you know, I still think that that, boil, that boils down clearly to one thing, and that boils down to money and to the Lions repaying one way or the other the money that Calvin Johnson had to pay back to the franchise that really soured Calvin Johnson, considering he was retiring in large part due to the fact that, like, his body was breaking down and that he just didn't have, like, it just wasn't, like, it, it just wasn't a love for him anymore. I mean, like, you, you've heard that in, in interviews that he's done. He did one with me, you know, a few years ago after Dancing with the Stars, and he's been on a few podcasts. Like, this was, you know, he's made it very clear. 
this gets mended when you know when when you realize that you shouldn't have done that and he's right because you look at how other organizations handle their stars handle their people that did well for them and did right by them throughout their careers and very rarely do you see this type of thing and look at what it did with barry sanders for a long time now barry's obviously back in the fold with the organization but they you know there was some kind of getting right that had to be done and i think calvin unlike barry calvin's really good with the other things he's doing in his life i mean he's doing consulting he's working with rob sims he's got a marijuana business like Calvin Johnson has entrepreneurial dreams that go beyond football. He doesn't need football. I think football to him was always something he really liked and loved a little bit, but it wasn't the only thing about him. Not saying it's the only thing about Barry, but Calvin Johnson's shown he's already a lot more than a football player. So to him, I think he's just like, well, you know, you want me back in the organization? Like you shouldn't have done me wrong like that. And if you don't agree that he that you did him wrong, that the Lions did him wrong, and you point to, well, he, he was under contract and he retired. Well, sure, but also he retired because he physically couldn't do it anymore. His body was broken. And that, like, that's just the truth of it. And, you know, it's, yeah, you, you have to know how to treat your good employees on the way out the door. And, you know, Calvin Johnson was nothing but a good soldier, nothing but a good employee for the Lions through some really bad years. He helped them rebuild from 0-16. Like, he's a big part of why Matthew Stafford is who he is and has the numbers that he is has. He's a big part of why free agents wanted to come to the Lions. Like, Calvin Johnson was a big part of why the Lions got to where they did in the middle of this decade. Like, big part. And he was a great representative for the organization, didn't get in trouble, was respectful, just generally a good human being. Like, yeah. So if I'm him, like, if I'm the Lions, I basically say, all right, you know what? We were wrong here. We will do this, and let's make it right. And if I'm the Lions, I, I do that, because I think it's more important for the Lions than for Calvin Johnson. The last question I will take today is from Bobby43076 who asks, again, two questions. Y'all are packing in the two questions today. I've been on the Robert Sala bandwagon for a while, but it seems like the players are playing hard for Bevel. Do you think that the fact that, that the fact of that can win him the job, and if he doesn't get the job, do you think he'll be back as offensive coordinator or another team will look at him as a head coach? We answered this a little bit just a moment ago, but there's part of this question I did want to follow up on in that will you be back as the offensive coordinator? I mean, I think some of that will depend on who the head coach is, but I don't know. I mean, that's a tough ask. I think it might depend on who the quarterback might be. And I would just, you don't usually see that where like the interim coach comes back. Now, if it ends up being Robert Sala, like if that ends up being who the head coach is, well, there is a relationship there with Daryl Bevel. They do at least know each other. So maybe he would bring him back. But I think also Robert Sala has his own ideas for who he wants as his offensive coordinator. And as long as he's able to get that person, then I would imagine no. You know, like that's the thing is whoever you bring in, if it's a defensive-minded head coach or kind of a leader head coach, they're going to know who they want as an offensive coordinator. And Maybe it is Daryl Bevel. Maybe it isn't. If it is an offensive coach, well, unless it's somebody that Bevel has worked with, then, I mean – 
that person's going to have their own philosophy and their own vision. And if Bevel doesn't jive with that, then why would you keep him? So I think it could be a tough road to get him to stay. Uh, and I would absolutely give whoever the new coach is complete autonomy over staff. Uh, maybe I would heavily suggest they keep Braden Coombs. Uh, maybe really heavily suggest they keep Kyle Kasky, the running backs coach. Like those two in particular, I think have done a good job. Would suggest maybe they keep Hank Fraley, the team's offensive line coach. But some of that might do with scheme too. Like the three of them have been really good along with Robert Prince, the wide receivers coach. So like those are guys that I would say, hey. You know, maybe maybe look at sticking or keeping those. And we we all know that like usually one or two assistants at least survive from one staff to the other, like Robert Prince did from Caldwell to um to Patricia. So that is possible, but that would be where I think you'd see more of retention than with Bevel. I think it's a chance that Bevel would return, but I would not pin it as a great one because I think that yeah, you know, it's gonna depend on who that head coach is. And do I think that another team will look at him as a head coach? Like I was saying before, I think if he does well here, maybe it's entirely possible. I just don't know if it's going to be this cycle or next cycle, but I would hope that even his ability to just change a culture in a week and have guys really play hard for him in a very difficult situation, a really adverse injury filled situation that that would at least get him some attention or some looks or at the very least bring him back to where he was before the play before the Malcolm Butler interception because that changed so much and he was close to being a head coach before that one play and that one decision on that one stage and I think he's really in his time in Detroit really kind of flipped that and validated that he was right to be a head coaching candidate before so that's just my kind of thought process on that so I want to thank you all for listening, and uh, we'll get to the rest of your questions tomorrow, I promise. And we'll also get into a little bit more of some of the coaching candidates and general manager candidates that their names have popped up uh, right here on the show. And I want to thank my sponsors, Bet Online, Indeed, and Pepsi. I want to thank Blue Wire for hosting this podcast. I want to thank all of you for listening and for interacting with us really over the past year or so. Feel free to drop us a five-star review if you'd be so kind. And with that, we'll talk tomorrow. Football, as we have seen, is very much back in full swing. And you might not be at a game this year. Only 500 or so people can be in Lions games over the last couple of home games. But you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day. Every day, head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use that promo code BlueWire at BetOnline.ag. That's BlueWire, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts.